It's time for the fastest hour of radio, Southern Race Week, with your host, William Barber. Hello, and welcome to this brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network. It's Southie filling in for a WB yet again this week, but he'll be back on the program next week. So looking forward to having our fearless leader, William Barber, back on the program next week but don't forget that you can follow what's going on with our fearless leader wb via twitter you can follow him at wb radio network and you can follow yours truly that is me alfie at alfie underscore 19 you can follow our radio show and podcast at srw radio and you can also like and enjoy our facebook page as well it's facebook.com slash the race week that's all the social media you can find us and the radio program and podcast anytime via twitter and facebook as well and in case you did not know william barber he also has an instagram page as well that he's extremely extremely proud of so if you get an opportunity follow him on instagram as well. And as I mentioned, the podcast, that's right, Southern Race Week Radio, we have a podcast that's available for you every Monday on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. So go there and check it out. Subscribe, rate it, leave a comment, let us know what you think about the podcast as well. It's another extension of the Southern Race Week Radio Network. So if you ever miss any of our programs, or maybe you want to go back and listen to a great interview we conducted, you can always find that information available on the podcast at iTunes. Spotify, and SoundCloud as well. But we got another jam-packed program for Southern Race Week Radio as we are celebrating the 4th of July. That's right. This is the 4th of July weekend, and a lot going on in the world of racing. As history is going to be made this upcoming weekend in Indianapolis Motor Speedway as we have the Xfinity Series, Cup Series, and NASCAR, and also an IndyCar race as well. So very, very busy at Indianapolis Motor Speedway this upcoming weekend for the NASCAR Series and also the Indy Racing League as well, or the Indy Racing Series, I believe is what they call it now. But uh, the Indy cars and the NASCARs will be out on the track of Indianapolis Motor Speedway for this upcoming 4th of July weekend. And there's no, there's no better person to talk about NASCAR racing, Indy racing, and all the coverage that will be going on on the radio side from Indianapolis Motor Speedway than the one and only Doug Rice from the Performance Racing Network. That's right, Doug will be out at Indianapolis this upcoming weekend and will preview all the action and excitement of Indy and NASCAR at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway this upcoming 4th of July weekend. Also, in just moments, we're going to be speaking with the main man in charge, the head honcho, of the NASCAR Hall of Fame over in Charlotte, North Carolina, as just weeks ago, the names were announced of the 2021 NASCAR Hall of Fame class. And we will be speaking with Winston Kelly, also of the Motor Racing Network, about the newest members of the NASCAR Hall of Fame. So we'll do that for you here in just moments. This is Natalie Decker, driver for Nice Motorsports, and you're listening to Southern Race Week. Hello, and welcome back to this week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network. It's Southie, yet again, bringing you another brand-new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio as the NASCAR season continues on. The Trucks Xfinity Cup Series, uh, pretty much everything's starting to open up in racing world. We've got... Uh, 
Uh, we got form. We got uh, IndyCar going on. NHRA is going to be starting up here soon. So just excited to uh, see things kind of getting back to somewhat of normality here in the racing world. There's also a lot of short tracks are opening up and having their racing programs as well. And another, um, speaking of NASCAR, as we kind of shift gears a little bit, let's talk a little uh, NASCAR here as the 2021 NASCAR Hall of Fame class was uh, announced just a few weeks ago, and we're very excited and honored and privileged as well to welcome into the program this week via the Food Depot hotline as we welcome in the main man in charge over there at the NASCAR Hall of Fame in Charlotte, North Carolina. You can also listen to him and hear him during MRN Racing Broadcasting on the Motor Racing Network during the NASCAR Cup season. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Mr. Winston Kelly. Well, I see you got my mother's introduction that she used to send out to everybody. Yes. So I appreciate that fine introduction, <laughs> uh, just like mom would have done it. Well, you know, we took a lot of consideration in making sure we welcome you in in the proper way. And we figured that, you know, your mother was like, hey, that's, that's the proper way to welcome my son into your radio show. So I was like, yes, ma'am, we'll take care of it for him. So uh, uh, thank you so much, Mr. Kelly, for taking time. You've been on the program another a number of times, and we always anticipate and appreciate the time you take uh, to talk about what's going on in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. And uh, just a few weeks ago, you guys made a huge announcement as you're welcoming in new members uh, to the NASCAR Hall of Fame for the class of 2021. And the big notable name is, uh, of course, Dale Earnhardt Jr. We don't want to overlook everyone else, but that's one of the, the main names in this year's class. And you had the distinct honor of during Dale Jr.'s podcast a few weeks ago to have an opportunity to speak with Dale Jr., tell him about his induction to the Hall of Fame and welcome him into that uh, classic family. So tell me about that moment of uh, zooming in, seeing Junior, seeing his family, and having the conversation with him about his induction into the uh, NASCAR Hall of Fame. Well, when uh, Mike Davis, who works with him on uh, the Dirty Mo Acres uh, podcast and has been with Dale for a long time, called me on Friday before and said, here's what we're thinking about doing, doing the podcast while the induction uh, announcement or the selection announcement is going on and wanted you to, to see if you'd be able to be on the program. I was just absolutely thrilled to do that. And, and the thing that made it work so good, Mike and I talked about this, is, you know, it's so good that it's a surprise. And not a lot of people could pull this off being a nominee. I said, you know, the thing that makes it so good with Dale is even if he doesn't get selected to go in, he's going to be so respectful and he admires the other people on the list so much and probably wouldn't have voted for himself, he's going to be the class act that he normally is. So, you know, when his name was announced and uh, we uh, we got connected in, uh, to be on and to be on with Mike Helton, uh, who's somebody that we all have so much respect for, and getting to see Dale uh, in that environment. You know, we've become friends over the years. Our families go back a long way. I grew up in Concord. His family grew up in Kannapolis, and my dad and his grandfather were friends. His father, uh, Dale Sr., bought auto parts from my dad's store back when uh, back in the 70s when he was getting started. So, you know, we go back a long way, and just I think so much of Dale 
as an individual and as a person that just being able to see him that day, even though it wasn't in person, like we would have liked to, you know, to give him a big hug. Uh, that was, uh, as I told them, you know, if I look at my top five or top 10 moments in this job, that will go down as, as one of those top 10 moments, uh, uh, of being in the NASCAR Hall of Fame position. Being in Winston Kelly here, the main man in charge over the NASCAR Hall of Fame as we discuss the 2021 class of the NASCAR Hall of Fame. So, Mr. Kelly, let me ask you, we just uh, talked about it moments ago, but Dale Jr., like you said, you've grown up with him. You've seen him develop into uh, this young man that he is today now with a wife and a family, and he's now with a great broadcasting career as well. To see Dale evolve himself from that little kid you see to now the man that he is today, how amazed are you with the man that he has become? And dealing with a lot of the pressures of what happened to him throughout his life as well, personally, to be able to take all of that and harness it into a lot of positive things. What, what, tell me about your views on Dale as a man. You know, I think people like Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Kyle Petty, who are very comfortable in their own right in you know, growing up in the shadows of somebody who truly is a legend. And for Dale Jr. to having taken the weight of the NASCAR industry on his shoulders back in 2001. And and that's part of the reason I think Dale Jr. is a first ballot Hall of Fame. If you look at his numbers, 26 wins. Okay, people are going to say he doesn't have a Premier Series championship. Look up the numbers. Fred Lorenzen, 26 wins, no championships. Curtis Turner, 17 wins, no championships. But Dale also has 24 in the Xfinity Series and two championships there. Those numbers by themselves are Hall of Fame numbers. Maybe not first ballot, but those are Hall of Fame numbers. When you add to that what Dale Jr. has done for the sport, there's what people do in the sport, as in on the racetrack, what they do for the sport. You've just got so many different things that he's done, carrying the sport on his shoulders for so many years, being the one that that was the fan favorite. But his 15 most popular drivers had nothing to do with me voting for him. But I'll, I'll give you one example of the quintessential Dale Earnhardt Jr., and this is just one of many examples. 2016, we were preparing for our induction ceremony class with Terry Labonte and others. We had a snowstorm on that Friday. We had to delay the induction ceremony to Saturday. We had a NASCAR fan appreciation day that our hall was open to the public, and it was an autograph session with about 45 or 50 of the top three series, and the centerpiece was Dale Earnhardt Jr. because he would always come and sign autographs. On that Friday, when we're rescheduling everything for Saturday afternoon, I'm standing in our Hall of Honor helping show around one of the inductees to see their exhibit. I get a text. says, hey, it's Dale Jr. Wanted to check in and see what you're hearing from the fans. Told him, you know, they were disappointed, but they certainly understood. And he said, texted back, he said, did you think about rescheduling? I responded, well, we don't have but a couple of weeks before we go to Daytona. Figured everybody had a lot of schedules. It'd just be hard to reschedule. He said, I can come next Saturday if you want to do something. I like to fell over totally. (laughs) All of that unprompted. He said, you know, I don't want to let the fans down. I don't want to let the hall down. Uh, You know, I want to help wherever I can. I said, hold that thought. I'll call on Monday. So 
as we were rescheduling things, I scheduled a meeting for early Monday morning to talk about what we could do. That led to an autograph session with Dale Jr. He brought Chase Elliott with him. He brought Elliott Sadler, I believe, was one of his other drivers at that time. And four or five other guys came because Dale said, you know, tell anybody that you want, you know, I'll be there. Uh, he showed up that Saturday, and when I stuck out my hand, he said, I can't shake anybody's hand or get too close because I've had the flu all week. <laughs> he said, but I wasn't going to let you down. I wasn't going to let the fans <laughs> down. So we did that autograph session uh, with 400 people, maxed out at how many we were able to accommodate wow. for that time frame. And, and I could give you so many other examples like that, and I'm just one of many. That's Dale Earnhardt Jr. He didn't have to do that. He was worried about the fans. He was making wanted to make sure the Hall of Fame could be successful. When we asked him to co-curate the glory, the latest edition of Glory Road, you know, we were ready for an in-depth discussion and all. And I told him what it was. He said, "Okay, what's next?" <laughs> you know. It, it, yeah. So what he's done for the sport and in the sport is what makes him a first ballot NASCAR Hall of Famer. Another great name that I've really kind of uh, started to do a lot of research on is Red Farmer, who uh, is from nearby Alabama, part of the Alabama Gang Original Gang. And it's so great because this guy is still racing. He was racing there a few weeks ago at the Alabama uh, Short Track, I believe. And one of the fascinating stories, he did the podcast with Dale Jr. as well. And one of the fascinating stories I love listening to was Red talking about <laughs> driving with Ralph Earnhardt, Dale Earnhardt Sr., and Dale Jr., racing against all three of those guys, which are... I mean, that's absolutely amazing to know that you've been able to race with three generations of Earnhardts throughout your career. Um, tell me a little bit about Red Farmer and your thoughts on him. Well, and we went to two ballots this year, a modern ballot, which we select two out of ten, and a pioneer ballot, which we select one out of five. The pioneer ballot is for drivers whose career started at least 61 years and more prior. Red Farmer is the perfect person to be the first pioneer NASCAR Hall of Famer from that ballot. He started racing in 1948. He started in NASCAR in 1953. And as you said, he's still racing. Uh, when I talked to him Wednesday after the selection, because he was a little bit tied up with media obligations Tuesday night, I talked to him about midday, about this time of day on that Wednesday. He's working on his race car, getting it ready <laughs> to race that weekend. And, you know, he he's, continues to race at 87 years young and be competitive, run in the top 10, uh, has won four championships in in uh, several of NASCAR's divisions. Nobody knows how many races he won because they didn't keep the records from all of those. But we know that it's somewhere north of 700 that wow. he's won. And, you know, just, just a, a perfect guy for that ballot. And we always end up with people – getting into the Hall of Fame together, that they have a connection. Some are very obvious. Some are like uh, Tony Stewart, Joe Gibbs, and Bobby Labonte. Others, like people didn't know how close Rusty Wallace and Leonard Wood were from the class of 2013. You find out about some interesting connections. And what you just mentioned with Red Farmer racing with all three generations of Earnhardt's, that's going to be fun to watch them interact with each other as we go through this process. And then the other members you mentioned, you did the the different balloting, uh, the modern era ballot. The other recipient there besides Dale Jr. was Mike Stefanik. Could you tell me a little bit about uh, Mike as well? Mike is one of only two guys that have nine NASCAR 
national or touring series championships <laughs> along with Richie Evans. Seven in what is now the Wheeling Modified Series, which was the original series from 1948, and two in what is now the NASCAR K&N East Series that used to be the, the Bush North Series in, uh, in his predecessor state. And one of the other interesting things not a lot of people know about Mike, he won four championships in two years. He won what the, the Bush North Series and the Modified Series Championship in 97 and 98, both divisions. 74 wins, most ever in the Modified Division. Uh, and it also highlights the fact we're a NASCAR Hall of Fame, not just a Premier Series Hall of Fame. When you got guys like Red Farmer, who predominantly did his racing in the sportsman division and other divisions, and Mike Stefanik, and a very, very deserving person uh, from up in the Northeast to, uh, who we look forward to honoring. And, and sadly, we lost him last year, but looking forward to honoring him with his family. And also, Ralph uh, C. Graves was uh, named the recipient for the Landmark Award for Outstanding Contributions uh, to NASCAR. And, and tell me a little bit about Mr. C. Graves, uh, 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 Winston, as far as what contributions he made to the sport, in your opinion. Well, Ralph C. Graves had a conversation with Junior Johnson back around 1971 as uh, R.J. Reynolds Tobacco Company was getting phased out and, and banned, actually, from television and radio advertising, and talked to him uh, about sponsoring his race team junior from uh, not far from winston-salem where rj reynolds was based and he knew ralph from in that area and, and some other uh the other areas that they connected and they were talking about it and uh, uh and junior said that ralph told him how much money they had to potentially spend he said heck you ought to sponsor the whole series and and ralph said well how would we do that said well you know we'll go down and meet with bill frank senior and bill frank junior and talk to him about it uh, and, and that started the R.J. Reynolds tobacco sponsorship of what became the Winston Cup circuit for oh, wow. 33 years oh. and how that helped elevate the sport. R.J. Reynolds and their sports marketing enterprises arm was essentially NASCAR's marketing arm for a number of years, working with a couple of people in NASCAR and their eight to ten people. Uh, and a lot of those folks went on to be executives in other areas. They also sponsored the the Winston Racing Series. They worked with dozens and dozens of the short tracks to upgrade them, paint it. Uh, and, and granted, they were there to sell cigarettes, right. but they also significantly upgraded the facilities, raised the prize money, raised the prize money for the championship, and did that for 33 years. And Ralph Seagraves was the catalyst behind that working with Bill France Jr. as he came in to be president in 1972 to just elevate the sport and promote the sport for many, many years, and, and Ralph was a catalyst behind that. Well, we're just so excited for this class of the Hall of Fame, and i got to tell you, I've been to the Hall a couple of times. I've always enjoyed my time there. So much interaction, so much great history is available to check out the NASCAR Hall of Fame in Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, you guys are still currently close correct or are you guys uh, or what are your plans for opening back up well we are prepared to, to reopen north carolina as all the different states are in different phases of reopening uh and we were prepared to reopen actually this past saturday uh and with our bit of a spike in uh, covid19 uh, uh cases that have been positive uh, the governor of North Carolina decided we're going to stay in this phase two for three more weeks. But we've got all of our safety protocols in place, our cleaning, our uh, our signage for social distancing, and everything that we need to have 
to, to be able to welcome people back in a very safe and healthy manner. We went through what we called a soft reopening last week with all of our staff. The staff's very comfortable with where we are uh, and how things can be done. You know, like we've got a lot of touch screens. Everybody will have a stylus so they don't have to touch a screen. So okay. there's so many different things that we've done, but we're ready to reopen uh, whenever the state of North Carolina is ready to go to phase three. That's currently scheduled for around July the 18th. Uh, so we would anticipate if we go to phase three that July 18th to have a private invitation only opening that weekend and sometime the following week to, to reopen. So stay tuned on NASCARHall.com and as soon as we're uh, allowed to reopen, we're ready. Now, Mr. Kelly, if our listeners want to keep up with what's going on at the hall and uh, get details of when you guys will open back up, tickets, uh, all that kind of stuff, where can they go to get that information? NASCARHall.com. And there's so much that's been out there while we have been closed. We put a bunch of our education program online, added a curator's corner, highlighting a lot of the historical things that happened at this time. But everything about reopening uh, and the timing will be NASCARHall.com. So look for that the week of July the 13th as we approach uh, what we hope is a transition to Phase 3 at uh, NASCARHall.com. Hey, this is NASCAR driver Trevor Bain, and you're listening to Southern Race Week. All right, welcome back to this week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network. It's Southie bringing you yet again another brand-new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio as we celebrate the nation's birthday, 4th of July weekend, and we're going to be celebrating the 4th at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and we're going to be celebrating that with some uh, other racing friends of ours. The Indy Racing Series will be in action as well at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and to talk about all that is going on in the world of NASCAR, we turn our attention as we go to the Food Depot Zoom line, checking in from his man cave in the North Carolina area somewhere at an undisclosed location. We welcome in the lead announcer and the main man in charge of the Performance Racing Network and also the co-host of Fast Talk as well. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Mr. Darius. All right. Alfie, thanks a lot, man. It's always fun to get on and do a little bench racing. It's great to, to know that we uh, spent most of the time pre uh, before we got on the air here just looking at your man cave. You guys so much cool stuff and they were kind of this is kind of the cool thing about doing some of these zoom interviews sometimes is is seeing a lot of the collections you have you have a an extent collection of stuff um real quick what is do you think your number one prize piece of memorabilia that you have in your man cave i guess the number one prize piece of memorabilia i have two i have two i have a a leonard nimoy stand-up that's autographed by leonard <laughs> nimoy that he autographed for me personally he came nice. into my office back at charlotte motor speedway many years ago He's kind of freaked out because the whole office was like all Star Trek stuff. And uh, he, he autographed that for me. And I got to interview him, spend about a, half a day with him. So that was really cool. So that's, that's maybe number one. And number two is a piece of Sam Bass artwork, the renowned, uh, the late Sam Bass. He did a poster after the One Hot Night All-Star Race where Kyle Petty and Davey Allison crashed going to the starting line or the finishing line. And they were at a breakfast at the Speedway. I had the poster with me, and I went up, and both of them autographed it for me that day. And, you know, with, with Davey's autograph and Kyle's autograph on it, that means a lot to me also. You know, we've done a lot of experimentation in the NASCAR world, and one of the cool things where the timing has worked out is this upcoming weekend, as the Xfinity Series will be running the road course in Indianapolis, you got the Cup Series race on Sunday with the Brickyard, but the Indy Racing Series will be having a race there 
on that Saturday before the Xfinity Series race. How excited are for you and put in perspective for maybe the av- the avid racing fan what this means for you as, uh, as a huge race fan. When I heard this announced, I was thrilled. And, of course, at that time it was announced, you know, we thought we would have fans because I figured, well, it didn't take Roger long to figure out how to get people there for the Saturday race <laughs> because I really thought, okay, that's, that's going to work. That's going to draw some IndyCar folks in. It's going to draw some stock car people and some curiosity seekers. I think this is awesome. And, Alfie, I think it's a precursor of things to come because there are IndyCar fans, not as many, smaller circuit. There are stock car fans, and then there are just people that like automobile racing. And we need to get out of our little camps and walk to the other side of the street. I think this is a big step in that direction. And I, in a couple of years, I hope I'm still broadcasting, I think we will see weekends where there will be IndyCar, NASCAR Cup doubleheaders. Maybe not on the same day like they're doing here, but I think on the same weekend, we're, we're going to see that. Do you think Penske having such uh, has his feet in both NASCAR and Indy helps in making this happen? Oh, absolutely. He understands both sides. I mean, there's, no, there's nobody at NASCAR that can tell Roger Penske anything that he doesn't already know about NASCAR. And he owns IndyCar now. So he is in the perfect position to broker this. And I think he's a big enough man of vision to say, okay, how can we do things better? You know, motor racing it needs to be combined if it wants to break out of a somewhat niche situation. All right. Well, we're speaking with Doug Rice here of the Performance Racing Network. And let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, the All-Star Race. I'm a big fan of the All-Star Games, whether it's baseball, basketball. I love the NASCAR All-Star Race. I've had the opportunity to be at Charlotte for a couple of these events. Always such so much fun and so much on the line, a million dollars so uh, to the winner. So that's always exciting. This year, uh, they're going to do it in Bristol. Like, I think they said they've done it every year at Charlotte, except one year they did it at Atlanta Motor Speedway. What are your thoughts on making this something that maybe we could move around a little bit to certain tracks throughout the year? I, I think that's probably going to happen. I know, I mean, I'm based at Charlotte Motor Speedway, so I'm prejudiced. But I also know that to keep the interest in it, uh, that it probably wouldn't hurt it to bounce around. I think it probably has to stay in the southeast. It's a non-points-paying race. I don't think you want teams to have to absorb a, a huge amount of expense to go to something that really only the winner takes home any money, pretty much. I mean, it's a million dollars to win and the rest of the money. So I, 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 that's one thing that's made it attractive at Charlotte. But Bristol's a three-hour drive. I think you could do it at Martinsville very easily, maybe Richmond, Darlington. Tracks that are a one-day trip the race teams, I think, would all be open for that. I don't see it going to Kansas or, or Texas or any of those tracks. I just I don't think that's feasible. Um, 30,000 fans will be allowed to attend the race in Bristol. I know 30,000 doesn't sound like a lot at Bristol Motor Speedway, but it, it, hopefully they can pull this off without a problem. I, I can tell you right now, you can put 30,000 people in that place, and to talk to somebody, you're going to have to text them. Right, exactly. And they added a new wrinkle. They have a choose rule. Um, they do this at a lot of short tracks. They just announced this today that when they're lining up for a restart and you get to a cone on the track, you get to choose whether you want to stay in the low lane or the high lane on the restart. So that's, that's something that the drivers have been advocating because there is such an advantage at some tracks, Atlanta Motor Speedway being one of them, 
if you start in one lane there, you have a big advantage over the other lane. So it's just another wrinkle. But NASCAR uses the all-star race, Alfie, and you know this, to test things. And, okay, we don't have anything on the line here. Let's see how this works. Well, Doug, you're going to be a busy man this weekend because you'll be there at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway calling the action for the Brickyard 400. Are you going to be doing anything else besides that, or what's going to be with you going on? I will be doing the Xfinity race on Saturday on the road course. Myself and Pat Patterson and Jeff Hammond will be up in the booth for that one and then a host of other people because it takes a lot of folks to cover it. Then I'll be back Sunday to anchor the Brickyard 400 broadcast. Then I'm actually staying over an extra day in Indy and then – We'll drive down to uh, Cincinnati, Ohio on Tuesday because we're going to be at Kentucky Speedway the following week doing two Xfinity races and a cup race. And it's not that far from Indianapolis to Cincinnati, about a two-and-a-half-hour drive. So I'm actually driving up to Indianapolis this year from North Carolina and then staying over there and then driving down to Cincinnati and then driving home from Cincinnati. going to be the most I've driven in a long time. I'm not crazy about getting on a small airplane right now, and, uh, and I, I don't know. I don't mind riding along, listening to my own tunes. So that'd be hey, good. Nothing wrong with that. Maybe you should take a, a camera with you. You can. It could be like National Lampoon's Vacation. You can just uh, video yourself. <laughs> as, you know, play some Holiday Road in the background as you're uh, cruising. Uh, hey, Doug. If our listeners want to keep up with you on social media, where can they go to follow you, sir? Uh, real easy to do. I'm on Twitter at Riceman61. I'm also on Instagram. Rice. Uh, I've got a fan page on Facebook. Hi, this is Greg Walter, General Manager of the Charlotte Motor Speedway, and you're listening to Southern Race Week. All right, welcome back to this week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network. It's Alfie. Don't forget racing going on this weekend at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for the 4th of July weekend holiday. Don't forget about the podcast available for you on Monday. So if you want to hear this show again or listen to one of the great interviews we conducted with either... Uh, Doug Rice of the Performance Racing Network or Winston Kelly of the NASCAR Hall of Fame. This podcast will be available for you on Monday at iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud as well. We really appreciate it if you subscribe, like it, leave a comment or a, a rating as well. Let us know what you think about the podcast. And once again, thanks to our guests, as I mentioned earlier, Winston Kelly and Doug Rice. Thank you so much for those guys for taking time to join us this week on another jam-packed Southern Race Week radio program. So take care, be safe during the 4th of July weekend, enjoy all the great racing lined up on Saturday and Sunday, and we'll check back with you again next week right here on Southern Race Week radio along the far-flung Southern Race Week radio network. <laughs>